Hello, good afternoon. So, good afternoon. Thank you everyone for joining us. Um, my name is Marina Velez from the Beverage Information Group. Today, we're going to have a podcast on the value of consumer insights in beverage marketing. We have an exciting guest with me today, Dave Cameron. He's our consulting leader and professor in business use of data science and analytics, which sounds really um Really cool and important, right, Dave? Exciting. Wow. Most people don't think my job is exciting. Thank you. Oh, data science. It's like the mad scientist. There we go. For a while, it was the sexiest job of the 20th century, too. Oh, well, I think it still is, though. Oh, is it? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we're going to um, say here today, that it is. All right. You know, because it's valuable insights. So, you know, what are we talking about? I mean, you know, consumer needs are really the driving force behind, you know, every purchase decision that's out there. The most effective brand or, or product or, or service, you know, is is really in need of detecting all those needs and trying to get at offering products and services that meet those needs. And the ones that do it successfully, well, they're going to have more sales, obviously, right? The problem is, like, in, you know, consumers have been increasingly, you know, they want products and services that align with their lifestyle. And we've we've seen so many changes, even in the last what three years after COVID. At this point, you know, lifestyle changes, interests, anything that aligns with their identity, their cultural identity, who they are. And honestly, even just, again, what's happened in the last couple of years, the assumptions that brands and services had in the past, they've all been like challenged to no end. So the beverage industry is not you know, immune to that. It's, it's one of several industries that's exposure to changing trends is so high and the micro trends, local and regional trends. I mean, I know you've been working with us in trying to identify a lot of the trends that are out there. I mean, you can speak to a little bit about how many changes we've seen, right? Just like in looking at consumer insights over the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, consumer insights is so important now, especially in this day and age of the internet where not only do people buy, they'll go up to their local store, but they might join some sort of club and buy online, right? Or or maybe they'll order online and then like during COVID, you know, they would order online and then they'd swing by and pick it up or whatever to avoid any kind of contamination. But mm -hmm. new habits come out of that and, you know, things change quickly, right? I mean, you know, you could go back 10 years ago and say nobody knew what a seltzer was, right? Um, Tito's Vodka, which is the largest, highest market share vodka in North America, you know, didn't exist. And so you got big changes like that, but you've got little changes, as you mentioned, based on reasons why people drink, what kind of product attributes are important to them, what do they do while drinking, that COVID accelerated some trends. And now mm -hmm. as coming out of it, there's also some trends. And so understanding how the consumer view things. It's not like 1980 where the brand could say, this is our image and we're going to push it on everybody. You have a lot of social media these days where people can, you know, there's influencers where, no, you're not going to go against the brand's main message, but there's going to be alterations that can make the difference between growth and stagnation. Exactly. I mean, I think you hit on something. It's, it's like years ago it was like almost like the brand dictated, right? And now it's the consumer really kind of dictating a little bit of this is what we want. This is what we're not going to accept. Right. And the successful brands are able to keep up with that. Right. And, and the data is, is going to bear that it's, they're going to see these, these shifts starting almost in real time. 
Exactly. And when somebody, if you've got somebody influential who posts on social media and says, mm-hmm. hey, here's a new brand with a celebrity endorsement, and I'm not going to pick a celebrity because I don't want to like pick on anybody. And and then it goes out there and you're like, wow, this was great. And he, and then this influencer goes out and reaches 10,000 other people and they send out to their friends and there's Facebook posts and Twitter posts and all that. Pretty soon something's gone viral and you've probably seen, I mean, a lot of the celebrity endorsement brands kind of grew and then they fell again, but some stayed on. And a lot of that is tied toward social media. How much attention did it get that people were willing to say, oh, sure, my friends or my influencers says I should look at this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, consumer insights are, are going to, you know, tap into is, is just tracking your brand awareness, that recognition, the success of a marketing campaign, how quickly does that actually, you know, happen, right? Because back in the day, you know, back in the day, you know, you had a, a campaign and you had to kind of wait to see, gee, is this effective? Now it's kind of, you know, you, you can tell immediately. And again, it's that social component of it that is going to drive that success. So in terms of the consumer, you know, some of the consumer analysis that that we do, I mean, that, that's interesting. We're looking at like, you know, we look at purchasing behavior, you know, we always look at, the past, but it's really tapping into like, what are consumers doing currently, but really, you know, and trying to anticipate their future needs. So a lot of this data or this research is going to tap into that and have, you know, brand or, and, and this can apply to, you know, suppliers and, and, and producers and even retailers, just understanding, you know, where is that consumer going in, in the future, really? Right. And that's a lot of my work with your organization, I could say our organization with the level of work I've done is realizing that, I mean, we're doing quarterly updates to keep on top of what's going on in terms of we see a trend and we learn some questions to ask based on it. And maybe we can go a little deeper on it, but we, you know, we have the demographics, we look at it and we mm-hmm. get a sense for different things. And so many people can do that. They can get demographics overlaid. But without that survey and a survey from a trusted supplier is you don't get at the mindset. You're not able to capture the trends, right? So you don't really know what are the reasons people even drink in the first place, mm-hmm. much less the shifts. And then from the brand perspective, what product attributes are important, what aren't important? And maybe you emphasize in your promotional material and your programming, you know, what product attributes consumers think are important. And then another thing could be just even what do they do while drinking? You know, can you can get a sense of where things are going? Like, is it because they're just at home reading a book and drinking a glass of wine or they're on a business trip? And that's when they're going to say, we're going to do, you know, harder spirits or something like that. Getting that sense of it enables you to realize, oh, it helps craft that message because you start to understand the use cases behind it. Yeah, the whys, right? But the why consumers are drinking and and what what they're picking like by almost occasion, right? So we used to see like, for example, champagne back, you know, a couple of years ago, it was only, you only drank it, you know, New Year's Eve, you know, weddings, a toast. Now you see sparkling last couple of years, you see sparkling as, you know, people are, are celebrating everyday moments. And so mm-hmm. it's understanding, well, you know, what's driving consumers to do that? You know, a lot of that may have been, you know, coming out of the pandemic, but, you know, we were seeing that trend actually going into the pandemic that that just 
you know, celebrating life in general. And I think it came out even more so now, but it's understanding what are the drivers behind that? You know, we're seeing the mindful, the wellness mentality among a lot of consumers. So now you're seeing trends in the lower alcohol or, you know, I don't want to say healthier for you, but even no alcohol products. So that's another, it's understanding where is that consumer headed future? Yeah. And it's interesting how you see it play out off premise too, because my daughter, for instance, I'll share works at a tourist attraction in the St. Louis area. And it used to be that they would come in and it's heavily for kids, but what they would do is they would offer parents a free beer while the kids were doing whatever they do. Well, now they've added to it. You can get a free beer or a free, like ready to drink seltzer type of thing, because so many of the young parents now are of that age that, you know, that's what they want. They're 30 years old. You're not really beer drinkers. So that appeal of coming there wasn't as strong as this tourist attraction saying, we got to keep up with trends. We don't want to lose the young parents here. We want to meet them where they are. And if they're not drinking beer as much anymore, and they're drinking, you know, seltzers, ready to drinks, that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Now let's offer that for free instead. And it's working. I mean, you know, I, I visited because my daughter works there and, you know, these places, you know, are, recognizing that for them to continue to grow, they can't treat today's 30-year-olds the way they taught them five years ago. Five years ago, the beer worked. Today, it doesn't. It doesn't, exactly. And, you know, you mentioned a little bit like on the demographics, but it's, you know, honing in on those differences, the generational breakdown. So you spoke about, you know, your example and how, you know, your daughter and you, and it's keeping up with, you know, meeting each consumer at what they're needing. But how do you do that, right? Like, how do you stay ahead of that? It's tapping into those trends. Yeah, and I think this is where it goes back to the, there's not a one size fits all. There's probably 60 different consumer segments out there. And for this tourist attraction in St. Louis, since they're targeting, I mean, the kids are probably three, five years old. They've got a petting zoo and things like that. That's who they're targeting. And the parents are kind of like, okay, we're sitting back. We can see the kids. They got guides, have the beer. Well, the typical parents, 30 now at this point, you know, and that's that's a demographic they're going after. But people older, I mean, I'm I'm well older than that, would not fit that demographic, but they don't care because that's not who they're targeting. They're looking specifically to say, what's our niche? What's our segment? And mm-hmm. what we would do here is different than what, you know, the bar down the street would do. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so interesting because, I mean, you know, you start looking at all the different, you know, data points you can collect, right, that, that will help you make decisions. And it's actually overwhelming, right, how much data you can get. I mean, everything from, you know, understanding that consumer experience, you know, on-premise or even off-premise at retail, understanding, you know, how satisfied everyone is with the product or the service that they're getting, and tracking and using that data to say, okay, how can we improve that experience? Because right now we're at a point where so many consumers, it's about the experience, right? And how that product or service is going to enhance their overall satisfaction, if you will. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're, say, one of your biggest accounts is, is Walmart or Costco or stuff like that. I mean, you know how much you send to them, you know, they're buying on premise, but they may be your biggest account, but you don't get that back from all the smaller players that you're selling through wholesale, whoever that might be, right? 
And when you do that, you don't get that feedback loop. What we're able to do is pick up the data across a broad swath of people, regardless of whether they bought the wine at Costco, the beer at Walmart, or they ordered vodka online, right? We're able to tap into that and understand the channel they come from. And then, as I said, survey a, a representative sample off of them to understand the need states, but the motivations, as you mentioned, Marina, the trends, the motivations are different now than they were when we first started doing this years ago, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's the other thing, too, is it's interesting because you mentioned like the Walmart and Costco's. I mean, it's also under, you know, the data is helping them at the retail level, right? Is helping them understand, you know, what's selling, what's not selling, you know, what, what brands should they carry? What sizes should they be carrying? Now you see, again, with the the health conscious trend, you know, some people don't want to buy that big bottle of wine. Maybe they just want to buy, you know, the smaller packages of wine or the, the portable, you know, because I'm going to a picnic. It helps them understand like the shelf priority or what kind of in-store marketing efforts to do. So Consumer Insights is helping not just the suppliers and the producers, the distributors, but also on the retail side as well. Well, and that's why the work we, we do is important in the sense that we're not tying it to a supplier. We're not tying it to a retailer. We're looking at the consumer first. We're coming at it from the perspective of the consumer insight. And when I first started, I, I quickly recognized, yeah, there's some big differences here in depending on where you live, what your motivation is. Mm-hmm. And so a, a typical segment might be, someone in an urban area that's doing reasonably well. They got enough money to live off of and then some. They're not rich, but they're able to put some money away. And, you know, a lot of these people are streaming video right now. You know, they're not watching TV anymore, so you can't reach them through regular TV ads. They got YouTube premium and they're watching it the whole time, you know, or something like that, because that's, again, we're getting into this. Oh, we got an age group. We got a married couple that's 32 years old, both in between them. They're making over 200,000 a year. Haven't saved up a ton, but they got no problem spending money and you can get to them and you've got real opportunity because they have the spending amount. But what they do is different than what earlier generations did where, oh, we'll run an ad on TV. Well, they don't even own a TV. They're just streaming from the computers, right? Right. Right. You know, so stuff like that. They're more into the internet recommendations as as we talked about through social media, where did somebody I know recommend it? Or let me look at a blog or, you know, even go to Yelp or something like that, you know, and, but they're also really open to innovative and unique products because they're younger, they've got some money, they're willing to try some stuff. And this is a great opportunity for a brand or even a new retailer to get in and say, look, here's somebody, they live in an urban area, they've got money, they're willing to try out things, catch them now before they, you know, turn off your brand. Exactly. Like, you know, try to get them into your portfolio and have them, you know, that's where, you know, you start getting into in the data analysis, your user groups, right? You're looking to convert those consumers into like brand loyalists, right? Now you did some work for us to, to that end, talking about like different segmentations. Tell us a little bit about some of that exciting work that you had a opportunity to like sure. spearhead. Yeah. So I had some data where we had surveyed several thousand people and we cross-checked it with various census sources and sources from clients and that sort of thing. And we came up with six large segments, if you will. And there are smaller segments, but these are actionable enough to, you know, be able to modify your messaging, to be able to determine 
potentially distribution, getting a sense for, you know, what kind of persona they have. And so some examples would be, I'll say the most common, it's called the casual drinker. And it's really big. It's like over 60% of the U.S. But these are people who just don't think about it. They'll pick up a bottle of wine, you know, and it'll last them for a week. And it's just, oh, I'm going to have one. And Mm -hmm. every fourth night or something, I'll have a glass of wine, you know, that kind of thing. But it's where most of the sales come from, but it's not where the growth would come from. So if you want to maintain your base, it's a great one to know. Another one would be like the aspirational urbanite. And this is a group that they're young people right out of university who um, have big aspirations of moving up and they want to impress their friends. They might literally go out, let's take whiskey. They might go out and buy a hundred dollar bottle of whiskey when their friends come over. And Mm -hmm. then after the friends leave, they'll get a $20 bottle and go back to drinking it on their own because geez, they can't necessarily afford that hundred dollar one all the time, but doesn't it make them look good? And doesn't it impress their friends? Aspirational. It's where they want to be three, five years down the line. So Mm -hmm. there's these different segments out there and, you know, there's an urban rural thing to it as well. There's different trends. I mentioned earlier when you led us into the segments, I said, well, there's this more comfortable urbanite group that, you know, they're now in their thirties and, you know, two income couple making close to 200,000 a year that can afford anything. And now they're at that point where they're adventurous. They're looking for innovative stuff. They're mm-hmm. willing to try higher end premium brands, whereas they wouldn't a few right. years ago. Maybe they recently got married and with a combined income, they can do it. Who knows? So so it's all over the board. You know, rural areas, you know, we all have the thing about, oh, beer and, you know, the ads that you see with country music and all that stuff. But that's not even true either. There's there's definitely some celebrity endorsements down there that can create new opportunities in that area. And there are a lot of people who live in rural areas. And, you know, just sending them the standard beer advertisements or whatever um, is missing out on the trends, the opportunities to say, well, they are influenced by celebrities, but celebrities in their sphere, right? So I don't know country music people, but somebody that might be country music would be a good influencer right 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 yeah it's and and that's where you start seeing in obtaining these data this consumer insights you start seeing who you can ask questions like that and start seeing who you know who are these influencers in these different areas you know because you can do regional you can do um, cross sections of the u.s so that's definitely uh another area to look at you're also able to understand you know with with insights Uh, you touched a little bit about the on-premise because the on-premise drives so much, right? You've got that experience. So much of what a brand can do on the off-premise is can originate. You talked about whiskey. I mean, you know, you have, you go to to the on-premise and if they have like, you know, rum flights, whiskey flights, exposing consumers to all of those different programs and how much impact that has to a consumer and how that's going to leverage what they do on the off-premise or on their own time. Like, what am I going to do once I leave that restaurant, right? Am I, gee, I I was exposed to a new tequila today. Am I going to go out and buy it, right? How does that on-premise influence? So that's another big component of our data. Yep. And that leads a little into we don't want to forget the delivery portion either, right? So many people now have signed up for some sort of service where they can get delivery. You know, it varies or what have you, but if you catch somebody that that brings loyalty, right? Because oftentimes you get some sort of continuity along with it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Dave, I mean, I think this has been very interesting. I mean, 
you know, there's a lot for, like I said, everyone to to take away from data and how important it is today, more so than ever, you know, with our changing world and, and rapidly changing, I might add. So, you know, I want to thank everybody who tunes in to us. I want to let them know that if they're interested in, you know, getting more information on the report that you had the privilege of helping us work on and we tapped all of your expertise in the process that we encourage you to seek us out at epgspecialtyinformation.com and look for our InVibe Consumer Insights Report, which is our proprietary study that Dave was referring to. And what it does, it's going to give you a comprehensive understanding of consumer alcohol consumption across different consumer segments in spirits, wine, and beer in the U.S. So it's a really interesting series, so I do encourage you to check that out. And if anyone's interested in any kind of questions regarding our custom surveys, just let us know on our website as well. So, we yeah, hope I, will, have- I will just I will just add one last thing to it. All of these data that go into these imbibe reports, my degree is in statistics. I've reviewed them all and made sure they're statistically significant, so they pass the data science sniff test, if you will. Well, that's why you're the data scientist. <laughs> you know, we'll have to come up with some kind of like um, logo for you, right? There we go. We could put maybe you could put it on the report. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining, and we'll look forward to having another another podcast one of these days. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much. Um, I enjoyed uh, talking with you, Marina. You know what? I think it's five o'clock somewhere. What? There you go. It's mojito time. <laughs>